Hey there, my name is Carrie Sieber. I am a structural engineer with Vector Collaborative and also your host of The Unboxing Project. I am so glad that you're here joining us for season number two at Keep Coming Back. Today we have Jennifer Lynn with us. She is an indie blues rock musician with Jennifer Lynn and the Groove Revival. They just their latest album is 2018 Badlands. You can check it out online on any of your uh, streaming services. And uh, she's currently working on a new album that will be released in August of this year. So just in a few short months. Uh, she is also a structural engineer. She got her engineering degree from South Dakota State University uh, in civil and environmental engineering, a master's degree from South Dakota State University in civil structural engineer, which is where we met back in college. Uh, she also has a master's degree in fire protection engineering and practiced structural engineering out in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Currently, she is also a professor at Bismarck State College in the engineering department, and she is a collegiate level soccer player as well. So yes. anyway, Jennifer Lynn, thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. This is fun. Yes. Fun to catch up to. <laughs> absolutely. We're still young. Yes, absolutely. It's just a number. That's what I yes. keep telling myself every year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, if you want to start just with maybe like your backstory, uh, what got you interested in engineering? And then if you want to weave in the music side of that, wherever you see, see fit too, that would be wonderful. Sure. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I was that I was an only child and uh, growing up in Minnesota, I don't want to say there's a lot of downtime, but when there's crappy winters, there's a lot of downtime. So I was that kid that was, uh, I was always doing the Mr. Fix-It thing with my dad and um, really loved just being involved with whatever he had going on. And um, I jokingly say to my mom that I became a structural engineer because I never got the construct set that I asked for literally every Christmas that <laughs> she, she never got. I think she thought it was like a boy's toy because, you know, we kind of grew up in that generation where there was still a lot of, this is for girls, this is for boys. But, um, and then, you know, I had this, this science teacher in eighth grade named Mr. Ringgold. And um, he really inspired me that it was cool to be interested in science and math and like that that was okay. You know, you could still be a cool person and uh, be interested in, in those things. So it was literally kind of his fault because I think he really realized that I had a big interest in this, but I was like trying to hide it because I was, you know, trying to be too cool as a middle schooler. And the funny thing is, after I graduated college, I, I tracked him down because uh, he was still teaching uh, at the middle school I went to or junior high back then. And I emailed him and just let him know like, hey, you may or may not remember me, but it was because of you that I've done these things with my education. So I just wanted to say thank you. And he thought that was really cool that I remembered him and the impression that he had. Um, and then, so it kind of came down to it when I was in college or getting ready to go to college. And, you know, you have this huge, massive life decision you have to make when you're 18 years old. What better time to make an important life decision? 
but I knew I was, I was interested in math and science. And so my dad was kind of like, you know, well, he had worked in industry with a lot of engineers and he was like, you know, I think you should learn about this. I think it might be a good fit for you. So then I, of course I did some research before the internet, mind you, cause that was like, what are my senior year in high school and the internet became this thing. They were like, what is this internet that everyone keeps talking about? <laughs> so literally, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I literally went to the library to find out information about different types of engineering. And um, I always liked building tree forts as a kid. And so I kind of always, leaned towards the civil side of things. I'm like, you know, this kind of sounds like my jam. I could, I could either do buildings or I was kind of like, maybe I would do environmental and save the world, one of the two. And then, so that's kind of how that happened. And then the music, music side of things, I grew up in a house where it seemed like music was always on. My, my, neither of my parents were really quote unquote musicians at that time in my life. Although my mom plays the harp, she plays the Celtic harp now. Um, but there was always music being played. There was, you know, we had vinyl albums that were being spun. People always had the radio on. You'd go to my grandparents' house and there was, they had one of those huge radios that was about as tall as a small child, you know, the type. And they always had music that was playing there. And then when I was in middle school, about the time that, you know, people start being jerks, I stumbled upon my mom's uh, classical guitar that she had in the basement and it was a really nice outlet for me for you know the times in middle school where maybe things aren't exactly going your way and everything's dramatic so um, I picked up the guitar and I was awful and just picture like sitting there again this is before the internet so you would sit there with either your favorite cassette tape or what have you and a book with a whole bunch of chords and you'd try to decipher, okay, well, how do I do this? Cause I never really had any lessons. And then um, when I was in college, obviously that kind of got put to the wayside there. I was playing college soccer, was trying to focus on passing classes and having a social life, which is, you know, where I met you guys. And um, <laughs> we did yeah. good at that. Yeah, just... we did. We had a good balance. I felt like we did, we did good. We, we were the fun nerds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and nerds so... from nine to five. And... <laughs> <laughs> totally right. Absolutely. And um, so I got serious about the guitar again back in 2013 here is when I picked it back up and realized I still sucked at the time. I knew like five chords and then, I, but, but something with it just stuck. I'm like, you know what, this is fun. I'm really going to, I'm really going to explore this and just see where this goes. Cause I've always liked writing music. That was something I immediately started doing when I picked up my mom's classical guitar. And so now I just use it as a great outlet. It helps me from going so I don't dive off the nerd end, which is engineering. You know, it kind of helps keep me balanced with the art, art, artsy kind of creativity and the engineering creativity. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think we should touch on that a little bit. I mean, you write all of your own songs, mm -hmm. which is a whole nother, that's a whole nother skill set than just being able to play or being able to sing too, right? Yeah, it's it's fun. It's so much fun. I, I actually think of it kind of like what always enticed me about engineering was there was a creativity that was involved. Because as we all know, there's more than one right way to get to the correct solution. So mm -hmm. I look at music kind of that way. Music is all about numbers, which is total nerdy fun. 
And then when you start um, writing music, it's kind of like solving a puzzle because, you know, you have to put lyrics together. I like to try to, to tell a story because I still, the music I still enjoy listening to is, I don't want to say mostly 60s and 70s, but there was a lot of really well-written songs from that two decades that came out. There's still a lot of really nice, well-written songs now, but it just seemed like that era of music really kind of captured the storytelling about what was going on around you. And, you know, um, well, there was so many major life events that were going on with, you know, Vietnam and everything. But, um, but the storytelling aspect of it has always been something that I've really enjoyed about music and then putting it to song just makes it that much better. And then when you get frustrated in the middle of trying to write a song and then it culminates with something where you're like, wow, that turned out way cooler than I thought it was going to. It's kind of like an engineering thing where you're like, wow, look what I just created. That is kind of cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So do you think, so like with the writing process, um, can you like, do you ever schedule time and just sit down and write? Or is it where like an idea will come to you and you just got to shut everything off and like go with that idea? Or like, can you do it on demand? Or is it just whenever you're inspired and then it's like, okay, I got to focus on this and let it's it come out? Definitely both. I've literally, I, I jokingly say that some of my greatest inspiration comes between the shampoo and conditioning cycle in the shower. <laughs> because like all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, that's a really good concept. And then you'll kind of start just singing words and you're like, wow, that's a really good storyline. And then, so that, that is where you drop everything and try to tell off as fast as you can and write things down. And then um, I have a, a partner now that I write with and he, I call him the riff master. He's, he's been playing guitar longer than I've been alive. He's 71 and I'm 41. And um, when he'll play guitar because he's got all of these licks and just stuff that's running through his head on guitar he'll just start playing something and I'm like whoa wait what was that and then it'll just take a guitar riff and then I'll be off with a melody and start writing the lyrics and then sometimes we'll write the lyrics together but many times it seems like he's kind of the piece of the puzzle that I need to help get some of these lyrics I guess you could say lyrical content in a musical context so it's, it, that's been really fun because it takes kind of, it's like anything, you're going to hit a wall in the middle of it and being like, well, maybe this song is crap. But when you're working with another person, it makes it a little bit easier. Just like engineering. It's like doing yeah. homework by yourself. Nobody wants to do that. It's going to take twice as long. So yeah. yeah. No. So <laughs> Jen, when you're talking, like there's two things that I see that are very similar to engineering. Like, and I think it's maybe just human nature too, but like in the shower moments, right? Like when your brain is allowed to rest, like that's where I'll come up with the new details. Like, oh yeah, I should detail it this way. Like that makes sense. So there's the creative thing you're talking about, but then also collaborating with someone else. And like, you're so much, you can come up with so much. Yes. I don't know if better is the right word, but it is <laughs> totally. more content, right? And more diverse content. Yeah. So that's so interesting that you say that. It's the, the correlations are it's, there's a ton and I feel, and that's why, and that's what I think is interesting. Cause now that I'm in the, the, the higher ed and just education in general, there's, there's been a strong push in the last couple of years and we're, we're starting to embrace it now where I teach. It always used to be STEM, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Now it's becoming STEAM because they're seeing the value of adding that letter A, which is arts, 
-hmm. And coming from both sides of it, I can totally see how they are intertwined together in terms of like the creative process and problem solving that goes into someone who's going to paint a a work of art. There's a lot of thought that goes into that and a creative process and problem solving. And so, yeah, it totally makes sense, which I think is really neat. The correlations. So do you see that like in your, like yourself, do you see that where like the engineering side and like the artistic musician side, do you, like, do you see them overlap each other and do you get inspiration from each of them? Yeah, I do. About a building and about the force. (laughs) 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 I I see overlaps almost more to how I approached both things. Okay. all, all the years we spent in college, it was, I don't want to say beat into us, because that definitely wasn't the case, but we were given so many different tools and resources to solve problems. You know, like, here's, a, here's an approach you can use, here's an approach you can use, uh, you know, or just even like applying the scientific method. <laughs> like, some of my bandmates will laugh at me because I am like super methodical with many things I do in music, which to them, they're all super methodical people too. But I guess what I'm trying to say there is there's a lot, like musicians sometimes get a a bad rap of being like all scatterbrained and there's, you know, we can't do this and that. And actually there's a lot of of methodical thinking and steps and processes, which is exactly how you would approach an engineering problem. So it's kind of interesting that way. Yeah, almost like you have the skill set to set up the framework for it and then fill in the creative pieces of it. Absolutely. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> exactly. It's so weird. Let's talk a little bit about your new album. So it comes out in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a name for it yet? Yeah, it's called Nothing Holding Me Down. Nothing Holding Me Down. Yeah, yes. So I've gotten a little sneak peek to a few of the tracks and I have to say, I freaking love it. So um, your voice, like I remember this when we were in college, you know, like we would go and sing karaoke and like, you know, some of us would get up there and sing Faith Hill real timid and nobody would even look at the stage. And then Jenny Briggs at that time, (laughs) uh, Jennifer Lynn gets up on the stage and is like, holy cow, your voice, like you just have so much power in your voice and so much just soulfulness in your voice and I think like in Badlands I remember hearing that as well on that album but on this album too and the thing like we were talking before one of the things I love is there's a couple of songs on there where they're a little bit slower um and I think you were saying you know maybe a little just a little different influence and um just the diversity of that was really like it's still signature you but it's a little bit different and I thought that was really cool so do you want to talk about um just the process of putting this album together and um you know kind of how that process goes sure yeah what I think is really neat like being an independent musician meaning you're not under a record label is a double-edged sword because like with a record label they're going to have like this framework that they want you to work within in fact they're going to be very regimented about that 90 percent of the time but being an independent musician you get a lot of leeway which is good and bad because you know one of the things is when you're developing your audience of fans um, you want to make sure that you're staying true to yourself but also presenting something to them that they're going to 
I don't want to say enjoy, but almost expect if it makes sense. Like, oh yeah, this is totally characteristic of a song that I would hear her do. So for this album, it's actually kind of a little bit of a rebranding because I've been thinking about what it is that I want to do with my music and what I want to present to the world. And it's guitar driven blues, blues rock, meaning like my, my influences are dual guitars because I think that's just the coolest thing ever. And um, just rock and soulful vo vocals, like you said, that are very powerful. Like Joel, uh, Joe Cocker is my all-time favorite vocalist of all time. I just love his voice. And um, so this album, it's kind of a melting pot, which the nice thing is, lucky for me, my fans have, have uh, agreed that they like this, which is great. Um, because because it isn't going to be like where every song necessarily fits within the pigeonhole of a specific genre. Like the first two songs are very rock heavy on the album. The third song is a blues ballad, like you talked about. The fourth mm -hmm. song is kind of like an R&B song. Um, it's kind of a guy even got like a little bit of a Motown vibe because that's what I grew up listening to. And the fifth song is another rocker. And then the last song on the album has almost like a reggae feel because my husband and I have been spending a lot of time, well, as much as we can, down in the islands. And we love the people, we love the music, we love the culture. And some of that just kind of starts affecting you in a really good way. So like the last song on the album is definitely kind of, you'll hear a little bit of an island feel to it. Not, not as good as someone who's from the islands. But um, it's definitely kind of got an island feel to it. So yeah, it's, I'm gonna, it's I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you said not as good as someone from the island. Like it is, it, <laughs> it, it's well, your style. It's like that brand, like it's that style, but with your brand on it kind of. Yeah, so not, thank you. Don't say that it's not as good because it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But yeah, it's, um, it's been it's been really fun. That was kind of our thing through COVID to try to get through it because it's you know for a lot of people it was a really really hard time and we're 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 coming out of it luckily. A lot of the people that follow us in Europe are still in the trenches dealing with all this and what I've found for me personally music has been my refuge once again to just mm -hmm. combat things we can't control, you know, yeah. humans, no matter who you are, we're kind of control freaks, let's be honest. So when we don't get to do what we want to do or, or live the life we want to live, it's a challenge. So it's been, it's been really fun to write the album. And, and now we're kind of hit the ground swinging because I learned how to mix and master because I'm a nerd. So now <laughs> I do all that and I co-produce all my stuff. And so we recorded it all here, which is the first time we've done that. And now we're never going back it was the best experience and we got the best sounding album I think because my co-producer and I we could sit there and we could obsess about the little details where that's really hard to do when you're in a studio and the clock's running and they're like there's another ninety dollars yeah. minimum down the toilet just sitting there trying to figure out what we wanted to do so we got time to obsess about the things to make it exactly what we wanted so it was fun Awesome. And maybe a little more time to like, to, to get those ideas. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Because, because when you're in a studio on the clock, you know, if there's something that you really, really, really feel needs to be changed, that's going to cost you money, you know? So you'll think twice about it where we were like, well, let's try it and hear what it sounds like. 
And yeah. if we don't like it, well, we can can it. We don't have to use it. It doesn't cost us anything other than our time. So yeah, it was a, it's a good experience and a good way to go. We'll be doing that moving forward. Awesome. You know, when you're saying, you know, like that this was therapeutic during COVID to work on this and stuff, like I hear that in the lyrics of the new album too, where it's like almost a gift to other people too, um, of kind of, you know, therapy or just songs that are relatable, right. And words that are relatable to kind of what we're all going through. So that's, that's so interesting that you say that that's what it was for you but that actually comes out in the lyrics and that will be the same thing for other people. Well, I appreciate that. Cause that, that is kind of our hope too. Like there's, there's some songs on the album that I feel like the content has a really great message. So I hope it reaches people and hopefully it, it reaches them in a positive way, good, bad, or otherwise. And when I say good, bad, or otherwise, I mean, they just are like, that's nice, which would be maybe I don't want to say bad, but you know, maybe it, it just makes them feel good all the way to someone where they're like, wow, that's making me reflect on things. Mm-hmm. And like, we have one song on the album called, I hope we make a change. And basically the concept of the album is, you know, when we've gone through COVID, the, the drummer in our band, he co-wrote that song with us and, and his, it was a journal that uh, he journals a lot. And it was something he wrote because he was reflecting on what his COVID experience was like, which was he was reaching out to a lot more people on the phone, physically talking to them, crazy concept, I know, more than he had ever done in his life. And it was just, you know, having the ability to hit the pause button through all that was good. There was a lot of good things that came from it. And then, you know, and then there's always a downside of people were, lo- there's a lot of people that were lonely and, you know, Um, But that song is really kind of like, when we get through this, are we going to go back to the way things were? Are we going to try to make it better? Because we have the option. So now that we know what it can look like, which is really connecting with other human beings, because we've hopefully figured out we need to do that as humans. Like, can we move forward and make things better rather than just going back to ignoring each other, (laughs) which is kind of what, let's be honest, kind of what we do. Well, everyone just got super busy, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Get busy in your own stuff. You don't have time to like actually talk to people right. that can foster relationships. So exactly. when we start taking on all the extra stuff again, like we're right. more aware and yeah, don't do as much maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or picking, picking our battles, so to speak, because obviously mm-hmm. life is busy for everyone, but just making sure we prioritize hopefully now with a, with a more enlightened understanding, if that makes sense. That's how I feel anyway, reconnecting with people, making sure we're making time for people. You know, I just think that's so important. So it is. And, and appreciate it because of the people that we couldn't spend time with. So then when we actually like, I need to be appreciative of these people. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Instead of looking at as, Oh, this is a thing I have to do. Right. Instead, it's this is something I get to do, I think, is mm-hmm. what I got out of COVID. So hopefully it sticks with me. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We're humans because God knows <laughs> we can go right back into bad habits. So I'm hoping it, it sticks. We'll see. Yeah. Well, and I think that song. I, ho- I hope we make a change. I yep. hope we make a change. Okay. Because that's, I mean, the, all the lyrics that speak to that. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good mental reminder for listeners as well. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we, we hope so anyway. 
it's yeah. a very positive song and I think it talks about what we could accomplish if we all just start working together so we'll see yes love it love it so um what is like a risk that you've had to take to get where you're at well um definitely leaving engineering as far as working in industry and going to teaching was was a risk and the way that 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 worked out basically i was working at a job that i actually really enjoyed um, great company to work for. They had the magic, the two magic words I tell my students about, which is comp time. <laughs> and because as engineers, you know, we work lots of hours. So when you're working for someone else, if you can get comp time, that's just such a nice benefit. But um, I, I got, uh, I was contacted by Bismarck State College, the professor they had that was teaching engineering. So the way that it works at the college there. It's an engineering transfer program, meaning I have the students for two years and then they transfer on to complete their engineering degree at a four-year university. And the nice advantage that they get starting at BSC is our class sizes are small. So, you know, you're not stuck in a lecture hall with 350 people at 730 in the morning for chemistry like I was. Mm -hmm. um, and all the professors are going to know your names. And as a result of that, and for example, like in my classes, if I turn around after teaching something and I see the deer in the headlight look, I can hit the pause button and be like, let's approach this from a different angle and make sure you guys understand it. We're at a large university, many instructors don't have that luxury. You know, they don't get to hit the pause button with 300 students in there. They kind of just have to keep going because that's just the way it has to be. So I feel like, I feel like we're really fortunate in that regard. And the reason I, I went down this little rabbit hole is because I'm the only engineering faculty that we have. And so what ended up happening was the previous professor passed away. So this was like a big conundrum that the college was experiencing. And, and I had a friend that was at the college and he reached out and said, hey, you know, you're a soccer coach. You like kids this age and you uh, clearly like teaching because you, you know, coached we're coaching soccer, would you ever consider teaching this class? It's just engineering 101, we have the other classes covered. And I said, well, I don't know. And I kind of hemmed and hawed about it. And I went and talked to the, the person who was in charge of our office here in Bismarck at the engineering firm I was at. And they were awesome. They were like, yeah, if you have an interest in doing it, we'll fully support you if you wanna be gone Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays to teach that class. So I'm like, well, you know, I think I'm gonna do it and help them out because they're really in a bind. So I did it and little to my thinking, I ended up loving it. And then I, and then they, they said, you know, this really worked out really well for us. Would you consider staying full time? And I was like, hmm, yes, I think I will. So of course, then there's a pay cut because obviously working in industry, you, you know, you, well, you know, you're in industry, you have the ability to make a lot more money. And, um, but what I found was the interaction with the students is is just something that I felt was I don't want to say it was a better fit for me but it just felt like the right time to be in that environment and I didn't go into it thinking I was not going to go back to industry then again who knows what the future holds but I've been there seven years now teaching and I'm actually the department chair I got roped into that <laughs> I didn't even know that <laughs> yeah yes I'm the department chair in our area and I 
work with all the math faculty who are absolutely awesome. They make my job ridiculously easy as far as the managing part of being a chair. But uh, I love it. I love working with the students. They give me energy. And I love sometimes the questions they ask. It makes me really think about the concepts that we learn as engineers. So it's been really fun. It's almost like sometimes I'm going back to school because you're revisiting certain topics and you're, and then a question gets asked and you're like, that's a really great question. <laughs> and I don't BS with my students. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a really great question. I'm going to need to dive into that a little bit to give you guys a thought out answer. So it's, it's fun. I, I enjoy it. I think that's so cool. Like it sucks that teachers don't get paid when they, <laughs> but that's like a whole nother. Yeah, of course. Um, but like what a gift you are to the students, like you're energetic, you're animated, like you're so good at speaking, like, and you're so good at just conveying like information that can sometimes be technically in the weeds and complicated. Right. But then to like bring it down to an understandable level, just from what I know of you, like, I know that you're amazing at doing that. Um, so I just can't help but think that that's like such a gift for your students too. Well, and I, I, um, I was actually joking with Dr. Reed, who I still mm -hmm. keep in touch with. He was my undergrad advisor, such a great guy. And um, I, when I first started teaching, I was talking to him about um, the fact that I, because I, I struggled. My first two, two years in college were brutal, brutal. Because I was that kid, like many kids who, you know, if, if you go on to college, many times it's because high school was ridiculously easy for you, right? So, and which is a double-edged sword. It doesn't mean that, that you weren't challenged in high school. What it means, though, is when it does come easy, you'd have horrible study habits. You're not really sure how to manage your time. And my whole first two years were kind of a disaster in terms of like turning in late assignments. Um, you know, I took the wrapping off my chemistry book the week before finals, my first semester. <laughs> like I just couldn't get my stuff together. So, um, and I share these things with my students, not to encourage this behavior, but to say, hey, you know what? I know you're having a hard time in this class, it has nothing to do with your intelligence. It has everything to do with these skill sets that we need to help you develop. You know, you need to get good at managing your time. You need to learn how to study. You need to, and you know, like I say to my students, if you're gonna, if you're in a, gonna be in a STEM field to study, it's like going into a gymnasium and saying, I wanna be good at shooting free throws and then going into gymnasium and just dribbling around and then leaving. I'm like, yeah. you have to work problems. You got to work problems as many as you can, because that's where the critical thinking comes in. So I, I kind of feel like, and I was joking with Dr. Reed saying, yeah, those first two years that I was really struggling and you talked me off the ledge and kept me in college, it's paying off because now I get to share those experiences with other people and say like, hey, I have two master's degrees. If I can do that, you can get through calculus too which is, as yeah. we know, is a weed out class. <laughs> that's a right. but class. That's worth it. Like, just like what you're saying, like in high school, so many of us, like we didn't have, we never failed. And like, we didn't right. have to develop grit or like right. be, like get, like work our butts off to get a B. Like then right. like yeah. that never happened. You, you worked a little bit and you got an A. So when right. you get to college and you like, 
work so, so hard and be nice. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, totally. I don't get an A for showing up. Well, and and like, I, I definitely, and I know you agree, uh, we're, we're not being dismissive at all to what they do in the high schools. Cause I, I know people that they totally bust their ass as teachers and they do everything they can to, to make sure that their students are understanding and learning. And, but the thing is, we can all agree on this, the spectrum of students that you get in that environment is the kid here who's maybe literally reading at a fifth grade level in high school and the kid who's got a 36 out of 36 on his ACTs, they have this huge spectrum and gamut that they have to deal with with students. So as a result, if you've got a student that's doing well, just keep doing well. Right. right? Yes. We're not going to worry about these skills. You're passing. I've got this kid over here that can't read yet and it's going to graduate in two years. So, you know, they, they have their own challenges, but, but I feel that I, what I probably enjoy the most and what I try to incorporate in the classroom is the things that we all loved about the professors we had. You know, what was it about, like I spent time thinking about my eighth grade uh, science teacher. What was it about his, his approach that I loved so much and found so, so inspiring? Can I incorporate some of that? Or mm -hmm. you know, I think back to our professors that I've had throughout my education. Well, what was it I liked so much about that class? Other than the topic, that helps. But what was it about their approach that made it so interesting that I wanted to keep coming to class and keep doing the homework? <laughs> so what do you so, think it was? Like what's one common characteristic of all of them? What I, what I think it is for me is being personable, mm -hmm. being approachable. I feel, I feel that the, the professors that I've had the ability to connect with over my education if they knew it or not, like Dr. Reed knows this because I told him personally, but if they knew it or not, their personability and just their willingness to answer what was probably ridiculously dumb questions, because that's what we ask, because we don't know, um, their ability to answer those questions without making me feel dumb about asking them made a huge difference in my education. So like I try to, like I always tell my students, there's no such thing as a dumb question. There's only dumb answers. <laughs> so fire away. <laughs> Trust me, I've heard it all. So let's, like, if you're not understanding something, let's try to figure it out because you're all smart. So we just got to figure out what it is that you're not understanding. And then once we fix that, life is good. So it's fun. I enjoy it. That's awesome. So I have a funny story about college. So I uh, <laughs> got doing well in mechanics of materials. And I think we had that with Dr. Siegel. Yes. And I got a lower grade in the class than I thought was even possible <laughs> based on my uh, calculations ahead of time. So I went in to talk to him and he, he was like, well, quite frankly, you got the lowest score on the final. <laughs> oh no. So you just got put in, the, in your place in your yeah, life. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Love so, it. but it was great, like the connection inside of it. So then like, we were able to talk about that and talk about the things that I did wrong so that I could do better in the next class. Cause it's all cumulative. Right. So, but that I agree, just the human connection. Yep. And I felt that when we were juniors and seniors, like they knew us, all of our professors knew us and they all cared about us and cared yes. about our success. And that meant the world, right? Like if they believed in us, then that meant that maybe we could believe in ourselves. Right. Yeah. I feel, I feel a ridiculously um, 
fortunate. Uh, the, the professors we had at South Dakota State when we were there, and I'm sure it's the same now, and then the professors I had at Worcester Polytech um, out in Massachusetts were all fabulous. Like even the intimidating ones, like Dr. Siegel, um, <laughs> you could still have a conversation with and they never felt, they never made you feel like you shouldn't be asking these questions or they never made you feel like you should know this by now or there was never like this, this vibe of why are you bothering me with this? You know what I mean? So right. I think that makes a huge difference because I feel like the interactions you have is going to dictate how that person feels in terms of their success, not only in that course, but also their ability as a student. Like there is, we waffle, it takes one class for us to fall off the rails and think we're not smart enough to continue with our education. Literally like one class. Like one Yes, <laughs> that too. Yes, trust me. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it's really important for us to build each other up and I, and I never blow smoke up any of my students behinds in terms of like saying they can do something they're not capable of doing, but I also think they need to understand what they can really accomplish. And I, and because they don't know what that looks like, I think it's important for people to step in and say, yeah, you can totally do this. And not only can you do this, here's what else you can do that you don't know you can do. I think that's really important. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I know you have a show tonight, so I, I don't do. want to make you late for your show. Uh, but I do want to close out with a couple of rapid fire club questions, if that's okay. Sure. sure. Okay. Favorite bands? Oh gosh, boy, that's a hard one. You can name more than one. Um, I would say right now, I'll just say right now, because this changes literally by the day, is Rival Sons. Rival Sons. Band. Okay. Super awesome. yeah. I have to check them out. <laughs> you do. Ever been to. Oh, gosh. Uh, Joe Bonamassa, hands down. Absolutely okay. fabulous concert. My face melted from all the guitar soloing. It was so great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where is your favorite place to play? Like a show? You know, I have to say local, and there's so many great places here. There's just something about the local crowd we have, the rapport. They've seen me, you know, progress as a musician and the people that keep coming out night after night when we have shows. I just have to say local just because they, you know, they've become more friends than mm -hmm. in the crowd. So love it. Okay. So it's Saturday morning. You don't have anything planned. What do you do? Oh, gosh go through literally a laundry list of all the things that we have to do around here. My husband and I rarely <laughs> ever sit around, you know, and kind of twiddle our thumbs. So if we do have time that morning, we'll usually start with coffee and pancakes because we eat pretty healthy during the week. So we might as well just, not that pancakes are awful for you, but it's a, it's a nice thing to have on the weekends. And we may sit there for like one episode of some sort of show we're watching and then it's gotta get stuff done. We're always doing stuff, so. <laughs> It's, it's a good problem to have. I like being busy. So does he. So does our cat. So everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So you're driving. Multiple choice question. You're driving. Do you uh, have it silent? Do you listen to quiet music, loud music, or do you sing and dance while listening to music? I, I, if I'm by myself, this is how nerdy I am. I will listen to an audible book because I don't have time to read. 
So right. it's, it's yeah. like the best time to have someone read to me. So it's like story time. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> nice. So I'm like, oh, I got a long drive today. Shucks. <laughs> to listen to a book. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> okay. Well, that is all I have. So uh, thank you so much for being here. It has been a little while since we have caught up. And I just have to say, like, you are so poised. <laughs> and I love seeing you succeed in your music business. And then also as a professor and an apartment head, like, that is so awesome. And the thing I think that probably inspires me the most about you is how you do it differently. Like you do what fits for you. So like your path is probably not the same as anybody else's, <laughs> but it's all true to you. So I love that. Um, and I'm so inspired by you. <laughs> well, I not to have a girl gush moment, but right back at you. The fact that you are, are basically running your own engineering company, I think is absolutely awesome. I just think that's so cool. And so takes some serious guts to do, which I think is just <laughs> awesome. And your post about always looking up, I just think it's so cool because I'm also a structures nerd, obviously. Like if you and I were ever to go to New York City, I don't think we'd ever be found again because we would just be wandering the streets staring up no. at everything. So both of us back at you, girlfriend. We we would be tripping over the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to those girls? Remember those girls that fell in the manholes? Did they live? <laughs> totally. <Bird>? <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, and I just want you to give us a, an opportunity once again to say the name of the new album and when it's going to be released. We'll put it through the unboxing project too, but I want to give you that opportunity. Yeah. Right awesome. So my band name is Jennifer Lynn in the Groove Revival, and there's just one N in Lynn. And um, the album will be out August 20th. And um, if a person is interested and wants to follow the whole journey leading up to that album release, because there'll be lots of fun stuff going on with behind the scenes and all that, they can visit my website at jenniferlynnmusic.com. Awesome. I will also put that in the link um, in our show notes. So cool. Awesome. Well, right. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here, Jen. Yeah. <laughs>